You are listening to Legacy District Podcast, the podcast designed for you if you want to lead your ship, live on your mark, or grow through education, ideas, and the influence of habits. So let's get started. Hey everybody, Lowell Fortune here. Welcome to Legacy District Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Legacy District Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lowell Fortune and Facebook. Now let's get into the show. Andrew Carnegie made his money in steel. One of the world's wealthiest man. Uh, he met uh, Napoleon Hill and through their conversation there was one quote that I had no idea of it until recently I basically lived my life by it and that quote went like this any idea that is held in the mind that is emphasized feared and revered begins at once to clothe itself in the most convenient an appropriate physical form available. That's each and every one of you. Because the way how I see it is creation had you in its mind. Creation emphasized that you were necessary to be here. Okay? So, on the board, you see a couple of things, right? Who can tell me what one in four trillion is? What, what, is, that, what is that all about? Any guess? Anybody brave just to throw it out there? Nobody? That's the odds of each and every one of you being born, who you are today. Put it in perspective, it's like in the oceans of the world, a one little sea turtle, any one of you could throw a life preserver out there, and the first opportunity, the first chance, it would poke its head up in the center of that preserver. Can you fathom that? That's crazy. So you are miracles. I'm a miracle. So I'd like to share my story with you. In 1993, I, uh, I was stationed in Saudi Arabia for <clears throat> supply reconstitution. Basically, we were sent there to bring back all the supplies that we left over there during the Desert War. And I came across this lieutenant, and lieutenant saw something in me. What it was, I don't know, but apparently it was something. So he sat me down and he said, hey, you know, Airman Fortune, have you ever considered being an officer? I was like, no, not really. He said, well, think about it. Um, if you do, I'll be willing to give you a, uh, a recommendation. I said, cool, okay, that'll work. I'm married, I have two children, I could use a little more money, <laughs> you know, like quickly. Um, so I went back to the States. At that time, my daughter was three months old because I missed her birth. Now, to back up a little bit, as one who was raised by a single mother without their father, that kind of hit me hard um, because I wasn't there for a birth. I said that because it's going to carry throughout the rest of the story and my life as to why I'm here today. So, um, went back uh, to the U.S. and I said, hey, I told my wife at the time, I said, you know, I think we need to do something. 
an idea, right? I think we need to do something a little different. I think I'm going to go ahead and get my commission. So I put the numbers on the table. I showed her how this was going to work out. Um, she wasn't working at the time. And it, it was really crazy because at, the, at that time I told her, my son was on the way now. I was, on, I was in the desert for six months. What do you expect? Okay. So came back and he was on his way. So very challenging to step out of the military at that time because I just made my next rank. I made it early, so I was, I was going to have to forfeit that if I got out in a program that, that was called a Selective Airman to Officer Ranks, which is SOARS. If you don't know it by now, the military love acronyms, okay? Love it. And I, I, I kind of love it too. So we went ahead, pursued going out, getting, getting a degree, getting into the uh, ROTC program at the university right down the street. But it was going to cost. It was going to cost sleep, okay? It was going to cost, if I didn't make it, I forfeited my, uh, my, my rank I just made. But I would have to come back in as my previous rank. So, okay, let's do that. It's a 24-month program. And um, at the time, I was taking you know, anywhere from 15 to 18 hours of college credit. And I was working full-time because I was the only one working. And I had two little ones. So my day started like this. I would start school around about 7, 7.30. And then I would finish school, run to ROTC, run to work, be at home around about 4.30 in the morning, try to get some sleep, and then start class again at 7.30. Okay? And I still have two children. Don't forget that part. So went through and I figured out how can I accelerate this process? How can I speed this up? And I wanted to graduate early, but it's never been done before in ROTC history. No one has ROTC classes in the summer because all of the instructors go away to teach the outgoing cadets who are now getting their commission. That's what I had to face. But I wanted that class in the summer. Okay, so that was my desire. My mindset was that it was going to happen, but I had to take action. So the actions I took is I took extra classes so I can graduate early from 24 months, bump it down to 17 months. So I positioned myself for it, still nothing in sight. And then one day, uh, Major Chapel, big burly guy, played flag football. Uh, I was called in his office and he said, come on in here. I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so he calls me in his office, and I can't, see, I can't see his leg at the time. And he takes his legs, and he throws it on top of the desk. So I said, what happened there, uh, Major? He said, well, I was playing a flag football, and I snapped my Achilles tendon. Kind of a freak accident. But guess what? I got to have class in the summer. And two other guys who would not have had the opportunity to have summer classes because it wasn't something they were thinking about. It wasn't on their mind. It wasn't their desire. They were just going along with the game, with the plan. You know, I have two, I have two years, 24 months. That's what I'm going to do. I was like, no, we can do something a little different. So got, I was about to go ahead and come into the Air Force as a missileer. So anybody know what a missileer does? We launch nukes. So we dropped the big bomb and 
that's what that's what my job was. So let's backtrack. <clears throat> because I did well, I worked hard, I was focused on getting this accomplished. I was able to choose the job I wanted. I chose missiles. Everybody laughed. Well, that's what I want. It's ops, okay? And it's a great opportunity. So about to graduate, they came back and said, hey, Cadet Fortune, I wasn't commissioned yet. Uh, have you considered aviation? I was like, hey, yeah, it's more money. You get to fly, you get the cool jackets, all right? <laughs> uh, but uh, I was like, okay, yeah, I, we can do that. I played it down a little bit. We, we, we can do that, yeah, I, I would do aviation. Yeah, no big deal. So, but in, 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 inside, I was like, yeah. So, went ahead and we did that, but I, I said a prayer and I'll say, you know, there's one thing about prayer. It doesn't have a time frame, <laughs> okay? If it's gonna happen, it happens on its own time. But I had a time frame to give them an answer. So I said, yeah, let's do it. In the back, I was like, oh, I, I hope I'm doing the right thing, you know? But, oh well, so I went ahead. Now, at this time, we're training with the Navy. Anybody know what that means? Water, water survival. And people were failing out left and right. It didn't matter if you graduated from Harvard, from Princeton, or from Yale, because it wasn't the book knowledge that mattered, it was the heart, it was determination, it was desire. Because when they put you in a fuselage, anybody know what that is? Well, it's the middle of the aircraft, cut the nose and the tail off, it's what's in the middle, that's the fuselage. So when they drop you and put you in a fuselage, and they lock you up with all your buddies, and you're fully geared up, they drop you in the deep pool. You can't move until it stops moving. Okay, there's a diver down there, make sure nobody cheats. Yeah, people did cheat. And they got busted because they panicked. They lost their cool. They didn't have confidence in their ability. The whole idea behind this training was to build your confidence that you can do whatever life throws at you. The last part of the test is blindfolded. Yeah, guess who was last? I didn't volunteer either, but I was last. Talk about pressure. Talk about, you know, seeing these guys who graduated from some of the, you know, the most pristine universities leaving because they couldn't hack it, leaving, left and right. And here I am, I graduated from Valdosta State University. Not quite like Princeton, you know, but the way in which I got there made me stronger. It gave me more confidence. And I was able to go through. Now, also with the Navy, <clears throat> they require you, even though you're a navigator, they require you to fly the aircraft. So one of the tests was to take you up an aircraft and you're flying and uh, pull the nose up, drop it to the earth, kill the engine, spin it. Okay, so basically you turn it and your aircraft now is spinning and hurling towards earth. Talk about pucker factor. <laughs> I'm not going to confirm nor deny that my underwear was clean when it was over. <laughs> okay, that's another story. <laughs> that's, that's a totally different story. Okay, <laughs> for another time. You know, but I made it through that. People were failing again. I was like, man, what? What is this? Uh, so. I made it through training, all right? Now, I'm in Lackland Air Force Base, in San Antonio, 
And remember that prayer I made? Guess what? It came back. Because I was going on celestial navigation and <clears throat> my son was very sick. Okay? And he looked, he looked at me and said, Dad, don't go.